Good morning, Hope Jersey City. It's good to be with you this month, Sunday morning. Right now, we're in a sermon series called Living Apart. Gospel promises that social distance can't steal. And we're simply considering what is the relevance of the gospel as we live these lives of quarantine and of social distance. As we are separated from one another, what does the Bible have to say to us? And how can we be a community that continues to live into the gospel even as we are separated? To do that, we are reading through and thinking about Paul's letter to the Philippians. And Philippians is an amazing letter and one that is especially appropriate for this time because, as we've said many times throughout this, many times throughout this sermon series, Paul wrote this letter while he was in prison. Paul was literally in lockdown. And Paul didn't just wallow in how much things sucked for him. Instead, Paul used that time to advance the gospel and he used it to encourage churches. He continued the mission of God even while he was in lockdown. I mean, Philippians is just one of four letters that are traditionally called the prison epistles, letters that Paul wrote from prison. Even while he was in lockdown, he was busy with the business of the gospel. And for us, the same can be true that even while we are in quarantine, we can be busy the business of the gospel. This morning, I want to think about the values of the gospel. What are the values of the gospel? How do they contrast with the values of the world? And then how does that affect us as we are in lockdown? So let's begin by thinking about the values of the world. And in our passage this morning in Philippians chapter 3, I think there's kind of, we will delineate two sections. One where Paul talks about the values of the world and one where Paul talks about the new values that are found in the gospel. So let's read again um, a part of this passage. We're gonna read chapter three, uh, verse four through six, beginning about halfway through verse four. Paul says, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Now what's happening in these couple of verses I think is actually really profound because here Paul is sort of, he's kind of giving his resume it's not his, you know, complete long CV, but it's the, the one-page summary of his life's greatest accomplishment. And he says, these are the things that I could put my confidence in. These were, before the gospel, these were my values. And I think it's worth considering each one of these things. Paul lists seven of them, each one of these on its own, because I think they have significant parallels for us. So we can think about these values of the world.
and yes, I'm using the whiteboards. We're back in school. We're having fun together. The first thing that Paul says is that he's circumcised on the eighth day. Now, this is of the seven things that Paul lists. I think it's probably the one that has the least uh, immediate connection to modern time. But here, what Paul is saying is that he takes pride and confidence in his birth. Paul is saying that his birth is something that he could value. And in the culture that Paul lives, this is huge, right? People took great pride in their birth. And Paul is saying that even from his birth, his family was Jewish. Even from his birth, he was his family obeyed the law, obeyed it correctly. The, the Old Testament law dictates that children, male children, should be circumcised on when they're eight days old. So Paul is saying, from the very beginning, I have reasons to be confident and to put value in my birth. The second thing that Paul says is that he is a member of the people of Israel. Here, Paul is saying that he is taking pride and he has value in his racial identity. I think here is where parallels to us become a little more obvious and significant. As a white person, I know that I was never explicitly trained to be someone who took pride in my race, but I am someone who has grown up in a culture of white supremacy and who has all sorts of unconscious biases that make me take pride in my race. And this is something that all of us are trying to learn together more, uh, the ways in which, in which these systems of racism are affecting the culture in which we live. This is something that I'm, I'm happy that Hope is going to be talking about more. But I think this idea of one of the values of the world being our racial identity is very apparent. And this is something that we need to be aware of and really carefully consider. For those of us like me who are white, we need to think about how we might take a a perverse pride in our race, even in ways that we're not aware of. And I think for those of you who aren't white, you live in a culture that teaches that whiteness is the norm and that whiteness is best, in a culture that teaches the lighter skin you are, the prettier you are, and we as, as people of the gospel need to disavow these ideologies and we need to replace them with something that is much more true. So Paul, so Paul is listing his, the values of the world, and he says birth, he says racial um, identity. The third thing he says is that he is of the tribe of Benjamin. Now, this one might not seem super obvious to us, but what Paul is saying is he's 
boasting in his family. He's boasting in his family. See, the tribe of Benjamin was a, a really prestigious one in Israel, mainly because back in the Old Testament, the first king of Israel, Saul, came from the tribe of Benjamin. And in fact, Paul himself, before he became a Christian, was named Saul after this um, king from the same tribe. So Paul is boasting about his family heritage and saying that he comes from this illustrious family. He comes from a good family. He comes from a family that people look up to. And then the fourth thing that Paul says is he is a Hebrew of Hebrews. Now, what Paul is saying here is that he occupies a high social standing. And the reason for this is language. The reason for this is actually language standing. Paul is saying here that he is a Jewish person who grew up not just as a Jewish person, but as a Hebrew-speaking Jewish person. And that puts him sort of a leg above most Jewish people. The common language of this time was Greek. It wasn't Hebrew. And actually speaking Hebrew, especially for Jewish people who didn't live in Palestine, speaking Hebrew was rare and meant that Paul was high class. Now, so we have these first four values of the world that Paul lists, birth, racial identity, family, social standing. And what's interesting about these first four things that Paul lists is that these are all things that Paul is, um, is born with. So Paul is saying, these are things I was born with, these are the values that, of the world that I live in, and these are things that I could have confidence in, these are things that I could really put my state in. Now, Paul lists three more things, and these next three things are not things that he's born with. They are things that he accomplishes on his own. So he moves on to say, as to the law, I am a Pharisee. What this means is that he's saying, I am, there are two things going on here. First of all, he's saying, I am educated regarding the law extremely well. I know the law inside and out, and I study the law all the time. And then he says, even more so, I'm a Pharisee. I'm someone who makes it the goal of their lives to live perfectly according to every law, and I even go above and beyond just to be doubly sure that I don't break any of these laws. What he's talking about here is his education and his vocation. His education and his vocation. This is something that I think many of us can relate to. I know it's something I can very much relate to. Taking pride in our education or our jobs is something that's only natural, and it's something that the world 
teaches us to do. The world teaches us that if you went to a better school, if you got a better degree, if your college has a better name, then you are a better person. The world teaches us that if you're in a job where you have a better title, where you have more people under you, then you are of higher value to society. And Paul is saying, you know, I was there. I had the best education. I had one of the best jobs. I had one of the best titles. The next thing Paul says, he says, as for zeal, I was a persecutor of the church. As for zeal, I was a persecutor of the church. What Paul is saying here is that his moral character was unblemished, right? Paul is saying here that he is moral, right? The world values morality. Paul is saying, I was so moral that I went out and I attacked those people who were going against the morality that I thought was right. I threw them in prison and I tried to get rid of them because I had a firm understanding of what I believed is good and what is moral and I would defend it. And then the last thing that Paul lists here in these seven things is he says, as for righteousness under the law, faultless. Righteousness faultless. And what Paul is saying here is that not only does he have the right education and vocation, not only is he a moral person, but he is filled with noticeable accomplishments. That he um, not only, he didn't just do the bare minimum, he went above and beyond and achieved great things. The law, he did it faultlessly. As we look at this list of seven things, we have things Paul was born with, and then we have things he accomplished. We have birth, racial identity, family, social standing, education, vocation, morality, and noticeable accomplishments. All of us, I think, can understand how these are things that the world values. And for many of us, there's definitely at least a couple on this list that are things that we value super highly. And these are probably things that have become central to our identity. But what does Paul say about these seven values? As we move on, we can see Paul says in verse 7, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss 
for the sake of Christ. Paul looks at this list of seven things and he says these aren't advantages, these aren't values, these are loss. These are the old values of the world. Now then, what are the values of the gospel? What are the values of the gospel? Well, let's keep reading. Verse 8. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Here's the thing. Paul says there are these seven values of the world that I'm going to list, and these are things that we see worth in. And many of these are good things, right? It's good to have a good family. It's good to have a good education. It's good to be moral. It's good to achieve noticeable things. But Paul says ultimately all of these things are loss compared to what? Compared compared to knowing Now, the reason that I'm giving this sermon here and the reason I'm writing all these things on this whiteboard, I recognize that my handwriting is not super great and this might be hard to read, but I want you to notice how imbalanced this is, right? Over here, we have seven things, things Paul is born with, things he accomplished. We have ways of thinking about them that parallel us. And over here, there is just one thing knowing Christ. Paul says all of these things are loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. And he goes on to say that these are all, the New, the new International Version translates it as garbage, but really that the word that translated as garbage means, means like dung or manure. Paul says these are all crap compared to the greatness of knowing Christ. See, brothers and sisters, the gospel promise that social distance can't steal is that our greatest value as believers is that we get to know Christ. That we get to know Christ. And ultimately, knowing Christ is so great, it's so magnificent, that everything else compared to it is loss. That everything else is 
crap in comparison to knowing Christ. Now, if that sounds sort of vague and intangible, I, man, I understand that, that feeling. But if we knew who Jesus really was, and if we recognized the bigness of Jesus, that Jesus is the image of of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, that Jesus is Alpha and Omega, beginning and end. Jesus is the one who was and who is and who is to come, that Jesus is the great I am. He's the good shepherd. He's the gate. He's the door. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the one who from the beginning created the universe with God the Father, the one who gives to us his spirit, and the one who 2,000 years ago died on a cross and rose from the dead because of his great love for us. If we understood that story and how wonderful Jesus is, then this uneven chart begins to look uneven, but not because there are more things over here. It begins to look uneven because of how amazing this is. Think about how incredible it is that every day you and I have the opportunity to have a relationship with the creator of the universe. And yet, there are many days when we have that chance and we don't take advantage of it at all. Whenever we have a problem, we have the chance to give it to Jesus. And there are many times when we neglect to pray and to do so. Man, isn't that the height of stupidity? See, Paul is saying, even though the world values all of this, we need to change what we value, and we need to change our thinking, because the greatest thing is knowing Christ. Brothers and sisters, as you live in quarantine, I want you to know that Christ is with you. And I want you to know that quarantine can, yeah, it can take these things away. Quarantine can take away your family. Quarantine can take away your job. Quarantine can take away your home. Quarantine can take away so many of the things that have caused you to take pride in yourself or to think of yourself as worthy. But quarantine can't take away the fact that you know Christ and that he knows you, that you are his and he is yours. I pray that we at Hope will be a people who value knowing Christ more than we value anything else.
Let's pray together. Jesus, we praise you. Because you are good. Because you are beautiful and holy and true. Because you are more than enough for us. And Jesus, I pray now for all of us who are joining together in separate places in this service. And I pray that you will make us people who value knowing you more than we value anything else in this world. God, may all of those things that our culture teaches us to value our, um, our race, our family, our education, our titles, our accomplishments, our morality, may we realize that all of those things pale in comparison to how amazing it is to know you. And God, may you make us a people who seek after you with all of our hearts. In everything we do, Father, help us to want more and more of you. In Jesus' name we pray.